generation has no future, and I refuse to believe that I have been given permission to live and I am free. I realize this may be a shock, but God has a purpose for my life is actually a lie. And I believe money and popularity are priorities. In my lifetime, I will tell the people closest to me, I have my priorities straight and I must hold on to my pride. I surrender the idea that my actions will have an everlasting impact. In the future, lukewarm beliefs will be the norm. No longer can it be said that my peers and I care about our faith. It will be evident that my generation is apathetic and lethargic. It is foolish to presume that there is hope. But what if we change that? What if we shatter those expectations? What if we flip the script? There is hope. It is foolish to presume that my generation is apathetic and lethargic. It will be evident that my peers and I care about our faith. No longer can it be said that lukewarm beliefs will be the norm. In the future, my actions will have an everlasting impact. I surrender the idea that I must hold on to my pride. I have my priorities straight. And in my lifetime, I will tell the people closest to me, money and popularity are priorities. It's actually a lie. And I believe God has a purpose for my life. I realize this may be a shock, but I have been given permission to live and I am free. And I refuse to believe that my generation has no future. transition statement that that video has. I don't know if you caught it. The narrator said just this very simple statement. What if we flipped the script? It's the essence of what Jesus did. It's the essence of what Jesus does in our lives. What if we flipped the script? And what we've been doing over these last few weeks is actually flipping the script, looking at not what God tells us not to do, but what God has given us permission to do. And uh, we want to finish that this morning and talk about this really, really cool topic. Uh, If you've been hovering around Elevate Church or you're part of Elevate Church, uh, you would have already observed that we don't do many things. We don't have a lot of moving parts as a church. It's very intentional. Uh, We like to keep things simple. We like to do just a a few things that God's called us to do. We call them the Elevate Essentials. There's five of them. And uh, and try to do them increasingly well. Not spread ourselves too thin. Be really strategic. One of the Elevate Essentials, Louis mentioned it briefly already, is what we call Elevate Groups. And Elevate Groups are groups of about 8 to 12 people on average that meet up every second week uh, in different locations, different age categories, different gender categories, different uh, venues. Uh, Louie and I lead one, and uh, we host that at uh, Baden and Jill's home. Um, and uh, last week, we were talking, gathering in our Elevate group, we're talking, um, and, uh, and Baden dubbed Jillian, right, which 
you're not meant to do in an elevate group. So I've had to, I've had to take Baden aside uh, since then. But uh, he outed his wife that that just uh, a few nights prior she'd been watching Undercover Boss, and uh, and had the Kleenex uh, handy, which is there's no shame in that. Um, and uh, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the, the show. There's a U.S. version and there's an Aussie version of Undercover Boss. And uh, if you haven't seen it, just uh, the basic premise of the show is uh, each, each episode, um, kind of the big wig of a particular company, uh, be it the owner or the CEO or whatever, uh, put on a kind of disguise and go into various settings within their, their, their uh, broader business operation um, and, and, and pretend to be someone else and, you know, like a trainee or something like that. And, uh, they want to learn at a grassroots level, what's really going on in the company, because actually, you know, sometimes you can be so many layers removed that you, you don't really, you know, get to kind of fully appreciate what's actually happening, uh, on the ground, uh, first of all, but, uh, and I like this show. And the reason I like this show isn't just, I mean, that's a great leadership lesson on the one hand, but one of the reasons that I like this show, probably the, the big reason I like this show is the end of the show always finishes with that boss, whoever the undercover boss uh, uh, is, calling the key people that he'd kind of been with during the show. There's normally maybe three or four different people at different settings that he'd gone undercover alongside, um, calling them into HQ. And, uh, and these people, while the guy was undercover, they, you know, typically they've told their story. He's asked or she's asked their story. Tell us about your family. Tell us about how you came to be with the company. Tell us about dreams and, and tell me about some of the struggles you might be going through. And, uh, and they, they're telling him or her, not knowing that they're the boss and just, just chat, you know, lunchroom conversation and, and whatever. And, uh, and so then the end of the show, the last package of the show is the boss, uh, calling them in. And they still don't know, you know, A, what they're being called to HQ for. Some of them are terrified, you know, getting called to HQ because you're about to get fired or something. Um, And then they don't know who they're going to meet. And so they walk in, and now the boss doesn't have the wig and the mustache or the whatever on. And uh, and it's it's incredible that the boss sits them down and, and, and starts to talk to them about their work ethic and how valuable they are to the company and how impressed they were. Uh, with them, and then they go one more step and start to be generous towards uh, that person. Hey, you know, you said you'd always wanted to go to college, but you, you couldn't afford it because you've got, you know, a young family that you're trying to raise. We're going to give you $50,000 towards your college fund. Or and, you know, so, you know, Jill's crying, I'm crying, everyone's crying, you know, the person getting the, 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 the you know, the benefits of this crying. And uh, it's just great. It was a great, great show. By the way, it's actually a metaphor for what Jesus did. Uh, if you've never thought about that, you'll watch it differently next time. Uh, Jesus came, went undercover as the boss, went undercover, and then sits us down at the end of the story and tells us all the benefits that he actually wants to give us. Right. Now, that's something for free. You're going to have two boxes of Kleenex when you start watching it with that perspective. <laughs> One box per eyeball. <laughs> so we, you know, I love that. Just love that. You know, by the, by the way, uh, people think that showing your emotions is weakness. I think hiding them for the fear of what other people think is more weakness. But that's just something, by the way. <clears throat> married to an Italian, I learned that one in a hurry. <laughs> They're very strong because they don't really care what you think if they, if they, f- if they want to show what they're emotional about. It's very, very challenging to my stoic English, Victorian, Australian upbringing. Um, one of the shows, another show that I love, and uh, for, for very much 
the same sort of reasons as the Ellen DeGeneres show. One of the downsides of having a J-O-B is I don't get to, you know, get uplifted by watching daytime television all day. Uh, but occasionally I get to watch Alan. And it just so happens earlier this year, I watched a particular episode. One of the hallmarks of the Alan DeGeneres show is, is, is they cons- consistently punctuate uh, various shows with acts of, of extraordinary generosity. And uh, I watched one earlier in the year, and it just was deeply engraved uh, in my memory. And I want to show you a little package from that. Kirby Thomas is a librarian at McAuliffe Elementary School in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And this past year, Kirby was named Teacher of the Year at her school, and here's why. I see a crane way up high in the sky. You did it. Hi, my name is Ashley Kirby Thomas, and I am 28 years old, and I am the Library Media Specialist at McAuliffe Elementary. When I was growing up, teachers were my heroes, and I had a really hard life. Teachers were the people who fed into me every day, and teachers were the people who snuck snacks for me every day and showed me how important it was to learn. I love teaching for the students who are just like I was. The trailer park that I grew up in is actually one of our neighborhoods, and so the babies who live in my old hood are my babies now. What's your favorite thing to read about? Ninja books. Our library is, for a lot of our kids, it's the only library they will ever see as a child. And so it's really important to us to make sure that this library is so happening and so loud and so fun that it makes them want to be in libraries all the time. You just hear so many things and you deal with so many things and they're 10. And you you just have to love on them and you just have to be there for them as best you can. We are firm believers that knowledge is power and that the best way to uplift our kids and the best way to break that cycle of poverty is through learning. Okay, well, Jeannie is outside of Kirby's school right now, and we have a huge surprise for everyone. Jeannie, where is Kirby? Hi, Ellen. Okay, so right now Kirby is inside the gym with over 300 students. They had a little pizza party earlier, but they have no idea that you are about to surprise them. They think something else is going on. They, they're expecting something, but not this. Yes. So I'm going to call them right now, and exactly. I'm going to make sure she has my book in her library. <laughs> or else I'm hanging up. <laughs> yeah, Kirby? Yes, ma'am. Kirby. It's Ellen, and I just want to make sure you have my book. Seriously, I'm kidding in there. Kirby? Don't try to to stall. Do you have my book? Seriously, I'm kidding or not? I have it. I have it. I'm not kidding. Seriously. Okay, Jeannie's going to run in a a copy so you have one in there, okay? been in. 
So Kirby, I got oh I got your emails. I feel like Gladys right now. You feel like Gladys? <laughs> Hilarious. I got your emails and I, I got a bunch of emails from other teachers also. And uh, I, I know that you've done such amazing work at, at school. And uh, I was just saying congratulations uh, being named Teacher of the Year. How does that feel? Um, really amazing right now, especially. Oh, hi. Okay. Hi. That's Jeannie, you guys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Pretty amazing it feels so great. Yes, I'm so excited. Yeah. My mind was blown from day one that of the ridiculously amazing staff that we have around here. I, I couldn't, it, it was strange to me from day one that my name would be on that list. And right now, I'm struggling. <laughs> I am driving the bus to Struggle Street right now. Oh, you're, you're fantastic. I love your energy. I love you. And I know you've written into the show so many different times. We just, we know a lot about you. Tell us about, how, about that. We just, it's okay. Oh, tell you, tell you about what? T- tell me about how many kids go to uh, McAuliffe? Um, we've got a little over 700 kids right now. And a bunch of us are here today. Well, and they're all precious and wonderful. Yes, they are precious. I'm sending a whole bunch of love, kids. I want to tell you about something. There's something called EntitledBooks.com, and it's a new website and an app where you can download discounted books on devices like iPads and Kindle Fires. And there's over 125,000 e-books that you can choose from, and you can cancel your subscription at any time and still keep the books. And they heard about you, and they're giving McAuliffe Elementary a check for $25,000 to help you out. One more thing, they're going to give every student there a $25 Target gift card so they can buy supplies or anything else they need. So each of those kids is going to get that. Wait, Kirby, we have one more thing. Just sit that check down. You're welcome, Kirby. I adore you. I adore you. Kirby, just sit everything down that you're holding right now. Just put put the check down and put the book down. And and. Yeah, just put the book down just for a second. Jeannie, put on the blindfold, and when we come oh, back... No! I get an Ellen blindfold! Can I come back? Yeah. <laughs> That's it! Surprise! All right. Keep that on. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll be back after the break. All right. We are back with Kirby and everyone at McAuliffe Elementary. So, Kirby... I want you to tell me a little bit about your book program during the summer. Oh, okay. Um, we have the McAuliffe Mobile Media, and it is my favorite thing on the whole wide world. And we go every week, and we visit all of our babies um, in their neighborhoods and in their apartment complexes and in their trailer parks. And we let them borrow these amazing books that they're so excited about. And then we eat popsicles together, and we sweat together, and we lift heavy boxes of books together, and then we sit and we read, and it's so, so fun. Okay, that's great. How many, how many books can you fit in, and what kind of car is it? Oh, um, well, our first year we had this really... Oh, hang on. Okay. Um, we had this really old-school Isuzu Trooper um, that smelled a lot like gasoline most of the time, and we could fit about three cases of books in it at a time. Uh-huh. And our amazing Union Public Schools let us borrow a van this past summer so we could then fit about 10, 15 maybe book boxes of 
books that, in the van? That's nice. Okay, do me a favor. Would you take off your blindfold? Me? I can take it off you, now? Yes. Okay. All right, turn around and look at that. We just bought you we bought you a bookmobile. That is filled with iPad minis and books and seating. Look at the inside of that. You have everything you need to keep the kids reading over the summer. Look at the inside, how cool it is. I have to go unlock it, Ellen. Oh, we're not allowed in there. <laughs> you guys, you guys, you guys! Wait, I got the thing, ready? I think... I'm so glad. I want you to come to the show. I want to meet you in person. I want you to come to the show. So we're going to send you out here at some point, okay? All right. We'll be back with Kim Douglas. It's a pretty cool story, hey? Um, And I watched that. And uh, I love Kirby. She's an absolute legend. You know, like for her to be your kid's librarian, it would be a trip. Um, and uh, she's, Ellen now uses her on different uh, uh, episodes. Uh, they had Kirby interviewing people on the red carpet at the Oscars this year. <laughs> it's like, flip, you know, these actors just getting steamrolled by Kirby, this uh, librarian from Oklahoma. But um, I love, I lo- you know, I look at that story and I think, you know, wow, Kirby, I, you know, what a, what a well-deserved uh, recipient of that incredible generosity, you know, good on her. But, you know, for me, I, I, I'd rather be Ellen in that exchange. You know, I'd rather be entitled books in that exchange. I, like, there's something about that that stirs in me this, this privilege and this opportunity that, that we have uh, to be generous. I mean, we, we get moved by that, uh, but I'm moved to say, Boy, I want to be on the giving side of that equation. Uh, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive. True or not? Well, Jesus said it. I'm willing to take his word for it. But I've actually experienced that. And then we get to see just a little story like that uh, where, you know, life change can happen when we give. Flipping the switch, flipping the script, uh, as that video uh, bumper said early on. With this whole conversation we've been having around this is your permission slip, we're talking about the idea that God's not a God of limitation. He's a God of liberation. Uh, we started three weeks ago by, by either teaching or reminding or reframing the idea that it's Jesus and not rules and regulations that cause us to have access to, to abundant life. Um, that there is a place in the second week for, 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 for laws and, and instruction that God gives. But he gives that not to enslave us. He gives that to teach us how to live 
because we're no longer slaves. And he wants us to live as free people and avoid certain pitfalls and experience the freedom that, that he won for us. Um, and then last week, we talked all about the idea that we've got permission to pursue God's promises. And uh, I boil these three weeks that we've been teaching so far down into just into three kind of words. Life, freedom, and promises. Now, how many think those are pretty good deals? That God's given us access to life, freedom, and promises. Well, today I want to talk about a topic that not everyone in every church on every continent gets as excited about when it comes to God's instructions. And uh, I've been you know, leading in, in church life for a couple of decades now. Um, and actually, it's kind of funny to me that uh, I could preach in some settings on topics like same-sex marriage, uh, euthanasia, uh, capital punishment, and, uh, and some of those topics wouldn't get the same emotional reaction, defensive reaction, as the one I'm going to teach on this morning in some settings. I don't think that's true here. Um, but I'm going to teach on it to make sure that it doesn't sneak back under the radar here at Elevate Church. Um, I'm going to teach on giving. And I want to flip the script that maybe for some of you, you might have, uh, that doesn't let you live with the permission to experience life and freedom and God's promises. Um, and just a question that I want you to ask yourself as, as I teach, just for the next 10, 15 minutes, just ask yourself the question. And, I, and I'm not going to put this question out there as a question of, of condemnation or uh, any sort of guilt trip. Or, but just, just for you to, to kind of just do an honest assessment as to what your kind of internal reaction is when people start talking about giving. Louis earlier, me now. Just, just ask yourself the question, because probably we've got a bit of a bandwidth that different people would fall on in, in, in the bandwidth of kind of reactions and responses we can have when it comes to teaching on giving. And I really hope that what I have to share this morning will set some of you free, will flip the script for what that eternal, internal reaction could be that looks more like a permission slip and less like a prison sentence. You know, for some of you, I know that when we teach on giving, I know that your response is, is, is that of leaning in and saying, God, teach me more, challenge me more, instruct me more on, on how you want me to, to use the, the, the finances, the resources that you've entrusted to me. And I know that because some of you tell me that. Some of you, if maybe it's me that's taught on giving, you, you'll... you'll corner me down here. You know, I haven't even kind of taken my Madonna headset off and you're already up in my grill. And, and in, but you're not saying, oh, stupid church, oh, talking about giving again. I know many of you come up to me and say, I'm so glad that you teach on what the Bible really says about money. I'm so glad that you challenged me to, to honor God uh, more consistently and more faithfully and more generously. Brilliant. I get emails. Jordan Everson. We did a mini-series at the end of, of the financial year, as it happens, called We Love Giving. And I think it was on two occasions that Jordan Everson emailed me. Mark, thanks so much for continuing to teach on giving, giving and being 
generous is really important for, for Jess and myself. And, and we want to continue to take next steps in that, in, in, in that arena of our life. Wow. Good, huh? A great response, a great reaction to teaching about giving. But it's not everyone's reaction. And I don't just mean here, I'm kind of talking universally. It's not everyone's reaction. Not everyone's leaning in. Some people start talking about giving. Up go the brickwork. Up goes the wall. Up goes the defense mechanism. Stupid bloody church. Oh, talking about giving again. Oh, all the church ever wants is my money. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Mark Pomery, oh, I've, heard, I've heard that he drives a really, really big fancy car. And, and while he's preaching and distracting us with big words and stuff, one of the team gets his car and reverses it up to the side doors. And they just put all those buckets in there. And, and, and he goes home with, with that in his big fancy car. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, really? You've heard that, have you? Well, well, actually, I've heard that too. So I decided instead of giving money so it gets dropped in the boot of his big fancy car, I, started, I decided, well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably start giving electronically. But then I heard that the bank account details that are in those little envelopes are actually Mark's bank account details. And all... Now, I drive a $4,000 Vespa, and it's parked out, out there, and it doesn't even have the capacity to put any buckets in. But, so I say that jokingly, but, you know, the takeaway is that instead of looking for permission to give, some people are looking for loopholes not to give. The thing about living life looking for loopholes in any area of life is if you're looking for them, you'll find them. It, you'll find them. You'll find reasons to jump through them. Um, and I, I want to flip the script for some of us today. And I want to teach from, uh, I don't know, kind of like one of the, the instructions from God on giving. It's from uh, the book of Malachi. It's the Italian version of the Bible. And... Uh, get to that in a moment. Um, before I do, and I really want you to listen real carefully right now, I'm going to drop something in your lap that, that has the potential to revolutionize everything in your life. And that's a pretty strong statement. <clears throat> I know, but I really believe this. <laughs> can I encourage you? Can I instruct you? Can I lead you? That when you read God's word, when you read the Bible, Read it from a position of trust and not suspicion. Okay? Now, this is something that, that, that we teach our team members. That when you interact with one another, interact from a position of trust, not suspicion. Uh, you can take this principle, by the way. You can take it into your marriage, and it will turn things around. When you start approaching your spouse from a position of trust and not suspicion. You won't always have understanding, but when you approach misunderstanding from a position of trust and not suspicion, man, it greases the groove like nothing else. Uh, you can take this principle into your workplace. You can take this principle on with your kids. Um, but I want to road test this principle right now. I want you to put on your suspicion, I mean your trust goggles, okay? Let's get them right. I want you to put on your trust goggles right now as we read from this passage of Malachi. Some of you may have heard this passage before. Some of you may be new. 
put on your trust goggles and uh, let's walk once through. From the book of Malachi. This is a prophet. Malachi was a prophet. And uh, prophets' jobs were to speak God's words, God's thoughts, God's mindset to a person or a people. And uh, God now speaks to us directly through his word, the Bible, and his Holy Spirit. We don't necessarily need a third party, though sometimes God still uses other people to speak to us. So he used Malachi, sent Malachi, and, uh, and spoke these words through Malachi. He said, I am God. Yes, I am. I haven't changed. And because I haven't changed, you, the descendants of Jacob, haven't been destroyed. Push pause. We could leave right now, and and that's going to be enough to get you through the week. Aren't you glad that you serve a God who doesn't act towards you based on the sort of day you're having? (laughs) Or week, or month, or year. When you're up, God's up. When you're down, God's sticking it to you, taking you further down. Aren't you glad that despite the fact that you and I live often challenging, tumultuous, roller coaster lives in various aspects of our lives, we serve a God who hasn't and doesn't ever change? Nothing we do changes Him. Brilliant. So, it's a good way to start a conversation with some people, but God's saying this to them because they've been very, very, very naughty in a specific aspect. So he's saying to them, you've been naughty, and if I treated you based on your character and behavior, I would have destroyed you. But I haven't changed. You have a long history of ignoring my commands. You haven't done a thing (laughs) I've told you. Return to me. So I can return to you, says God of the angel armies. Have you all got your trust goggles on right now? If you put your trust goggles on and read this, you read all of a sudden words from a God that's not angry. You read words from a God that's heartbroken. You read words from a God who's heartbroken that people whom he loves, people who he's called, people who he has a hope and a future and a destiny and wants to see them living out in the fullness of his promise and his blessing are choosing not to and he's heartbroken. But instead of kicking them when they're down, when they're disobedient, what does he say? He gives them an invitation. Return to me. It's permission. You know, dogs don't tend to do this. When dogs have been naughty... And they realize that you've caught them being naughty. They go scampering into the corner, hoping that you won't notice or won't find them or won't, you know, tails wagging from outside the curtain. But they, God doesn't, he never wants us to react that way when we've been disobedient. He always extends an invitation, return to me. And that invitation then comes with a promise and I'll return to you. I never change. And you ask, and this is the people in that particular setting, how do we return? Well, begin by being honest. Do honest people rob God? But you rob me day after day. You ask, how have we robbed you? 
the tithe and the offering. That's how. Now, the tithe, it's a, it's a, a Hebrew word. It's a biblical word for, for 10% or first 10%. And the idea is that God had given his people an instruction to, to bring the first 10% of what they earned. In those days, it would have been uh, animals and, and wheat and so on in the agricultural society to bring that to the, to the temple, to the, to the, you know, what's a modern day sort of church is the equivalent, but in those days it was a temple. And, and that's how God's kingdom would be resourced. They were tools. And these people had decided not to do that. And so God accused them of robbing him. And look, I've heard this passage preached many, 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 many times in uh, my 21 years following Jesus. And often, (laughs) maybe some of you have had this, this is it. This is where the brakes get pulled on, the scripture bit, and then the preacher starts teeing off on people. And we've got some God robbers here today. Yes, you know who you are, and we're still, God knows who you are. And we're going to lock those doors, and we're going to keep passing those buckets until you stop robbing God. But if you read this with your trust goggles on, you won't have to go running to the corner hoping God doesn't punish you. You have this revelation of God has given you permission to return to him and then a promise that if you return to him, he's going to return to you. Now he says, and you're under a curse, the whole lot of you, because you're robbing me. Now here. Put your suspicion goggles on and read this bit. You're under a curse, the whole lot of you. If you have your suspicion goggles on, you might think, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but you might think that God just said, and I'm going to curse you. But he doesn't. Put your trust goggles on and you read it. And he says, no, 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 no. You're already under a curse. Because of your actions, you're living under a curse. Now, some of you, I know, kind of been, you know, dabbling in theology over the, the, the weeks and months and years. He said, well, Jesus has destroyed the curse. We're not under a curse anymore. I know. I went to Bible college. They taught that. It's still true. But there's still a modern day takeaway for this very idea. This very idea that when we are disobedient to God in any area of our lives, we are removing ourselves, not from his love, but from his favor. It's just like you with your kids. When they are disobedient to you, they're never removing themselves from your love. You're going to continue to love them unconditionally. But... You may just dial back the favor meter. Right? I want to live in relationship with God where, where my favor meter goes up to 11. It's a spinal tap reference there, Jared. Got it? Good boy. It's either a Muso's or an 80s reference. And if you like me, you're both. Well, no, I'm not a Muso, but I used to be, and not a very good one. <sighs> So God doesn't leave them hanging there. He gives them some instructions. Guys, here's what I want you to do. Bring the full tithe into the temple treasury so there'll be ample provisions in my temple. Test me in this and see if I don't open heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. For my part, I'll defend you against marauders, protect your wheat fields and vegetable gardens against plunderers. The message of God of the angel armies reading it with our trust goggles on, you'll be voted happiest nation. You'll experience what it's like to be a country of grace. God of the angel armies says so. 
when, when you, when you, how many of you have read that or, or heard that passage before? Malachi, okay, yeah, yeah, me too, yeah. Um, if you read that, six, six verses, if you read that with your suspicion goggles on, there's a reasonable chance that you will, your takeaway will be that God wants something from you, which is hilarious. God needs my money. You know, he's about to declare bankruptcy, so I better give. Okay, it's hilarious to think that the reason God wants us to give is because he's running low, little out, little low this week, right? That God wants something from us. Please. But put your trust goggles on and you'll start to see that God doesn't call us to give because he wants something from us. It's because he wants something for us. And it's a completely different perspective and it flips the script. Now, some of you, long-time churchy people, you may have heard some pretty poor preaching on giving over the years. I get it. Some of you, I know, may have been part of churches that actually didn't allow any preaching on giving, which I didn't get that one. But poor preaching, one of the classics is, uh, is what I call the if you don't, we won't approach of preaching. If you don't bring your first 10%, Stewie, we won't be able to keep these lights on. And then, we, and then we put up pictures of little starving midgets in the Philippines. And we say, if you don't give to Elevate Global, this little baby, look at him. He's so precious. We won't be able to feed him. You know, on a day where it's raining, 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 we say, If you don't give to building the future, look up there. We won't be able to fix that leaky roof. And those are God's tears coming through that ceiling right now. By the way, all three of those statements are actually true. If we don't give, we won't be able to keep the lights on, rescue kids in the Philippines or, you know, patch up God's tears. But, but the spirit, the, the, the goggles, the, is guilt and, you know, cajoling and coercion. And if you don't, we won't. And it's just not God's heartbeat. It's just, it's just not. God doesn't want something from us. He wants something for us. We don't got to bring our first 10%. A God that doesn't need our money, we get to. We get to bring our first 10%. We get to live in a country where most of us, if not all of us, can go to work, or at least our household can earn an income, be used by God to contribute to our economy and our nation building and be blessed to be able to bring 
that home and, 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 and contribute and partner with God to see his kingdom advanced. Like to be used by a God that doesn't actually need us. He could do it. He's got a big flipping magic wand. And he could wave it anytime he wants. And boom, everything's done. Anything and everything. But he chooses to do it in relationship with us. We don't got to bring our first 10%. We get to. We don't got to rescue kids and sponsor kids and, 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 and give uh, families and communities a hand up. We get to. We get to. We get to. And we hear the stories and we think, flip, man. You know, my hundred bucks, my thousand bucks, my what? Wow. I, I, the only t- time I use the term got to give is in the past tense. When I do hear the stories about kingdom growth and life transformation. And I go, that's pretty cool. I got to give to that. By the on-ramps always, we don't got to give. We get to give. Giving it's not an obligation. It's an invitation. God doesn't want something from us. He wants something for us. It's one of the ways we know our life matters. It's one of the ways we live a life bigger than ourselves, beyond our own needs. And uh, it's not a prison sentence. Give 10% or you get locked up <laughs> or kicked out. Or It's not a membership fee. It's a permission slip. One of my friends says it this way. Money is like fire. It's an incredible servant, but a terrible master. We want to be the sort of church that is, yeah, used by God. Living free, never letting money rule us. Us. living free permission to give we get to give how cool is that trust goggles <laughs> it's awesome i love it and and by the way you know uh, it's kind of like it's kind of weird for me preaching this message i'm done now by the way so i'm just going to say this to you heart to heart kind of weird for me. I was just, Saturday evenings I review, I, I finish my, my, my messages during the week. Um, I don't like to leave things to the last minute. Give things time to marinate. Slow cooked food's always better than microwaved food. Um, and, uh, but I review Saturday evenings. It's an old study trick. If you want to study for an exam, you'll retain more if you review the night before than the morning of. It's the way our brains work. So I do that. And uh, yeah, there you go. So much bonus material in this DVD this week, eh? Whew, whew. We get to give for bonus material. Um, but I'm reviewing uh, my notes. And I just had an, like, just an honest assessment. Like, I can't wait to preach this message tomorrow. Knowing that I'm actually preaching it not with a need to lock the doors and stop you God robbers from getting out of here for free. <laughs> but, a, but an incredible pride and a healthy pride as the senior leader here at Elevate that we are getting better and better at this, that we are choosing to live freer and freer, bigger and bigger, and uh, 
I got some dreams that God's put on my heart for us that I haven't shared with you yet because I reckon some of you it'll terrify you about what it's going to require of us. But you know what? I love that we're heading in the right direction. Our trajectory is on track. We've got a long way to go. Don't get me wrong. But I didn't have to come here this morning. Yeah. Budget's a bit low. Income's a bit low. Time to preach on giving again. It's just like, I love it, you know. Hey, I got one more invitation. Uh, and that's an invitation to you if you've never actually chosen to follow Jesus. And put your trust in his hands, put your life in his hands. I want to give you that invitation to make that decision right now. That's your next step. Many of you have made that decision, I get it. But for any of you that have not yet made that decision to say, Jesus, I want to put my trust in you. I want to place my life in your hands. I want to place my faith in you. I'm giving you that invitation right now. All I want you to do for those of you that need to respond to that invitation is just to put your hand up. You say, yeah, that's me. When I see your hand, you can put it down and then then we're going to pray. Then we're going to finish. Before we finish, before we pray, if you've never made that decision, say, Jesus, I want to put my faith in you. Put my life in your hands. Just slip your hand up right now. When I see your hand, you can put it down. I don't want to miss anybody. And I want you to miss this opportunity. This invitation that God extends to us all the time. You don't have to run to the corner thinking that he's angry at you if you haven't been obedient to him. He says, return to me and I'll return to you. Forgiveness, love, restoration, future, hope, promises. They're all right in front of you. Just put your hand up. Grab a hold of them. Grab a hold of him. 